It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Why don't you just wait till batting practice? You can throw one of those 105 mile per hour fastballs straight into his back. That's probably exactly how I would have dealt with it. And Sam Ostrowski. I'm drinking a Bud Light Lime. It's kind of gross. But I used to drink them in the summer, so it reminds me of summertime. Welcome in to episode two of Diamond in the Rough podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Sam Ostrowski. Alongside me, I've got the lovely Dan Collins. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great because we're at a streak now. We're this on is, a streak. Two's is, a streak, right? This that is counts? Epi- this is episode two, so we're technically now on a two-game hitting streak for the Diamond in the two, Rough podcast. Two-game hitting streak. You know, we're really, really batting a thousand here. We're doing great. If well, you I'm, got past the first episode, th- thank you. That's really all we have to say right now is just thank you. We appreciate that. I don't we set really a lot do. of goals in life. But episode two, right? Episode two was part of the goal. Actually, I want this to go a lot longer than two episodes, but we've already reached the goal of this podcast. We're putting it on air, and now we reach the second goal with just getting into a hitting streak. And if we hit episode three, if you, better yet, hit episode three, you are already a Hall of Famer in a book. I swear. We will write it up. We'll make a post on Facebook. We'll put your name, call you a Hall of Famer. We'll do it all. We swear that we, we will love every single Hall of Famer that comes through to here. So, Quick tease, I think they're definitely going to make it to episode three because this episode, we're just starting out, but I already know this is actually going to be a really good episode. Uh, you're a, right. There's a really kick-ass interview coming up. I'm not going to tease it any more than that, but you're going to want to stick around for the next eight or so minutes. Just hear mm-hmm. our ramble-jamble go. And then we're going to segue you into a, a quite a nice beauty. I think Kick-Ass is under-delivering it almost. It was an awesome interview. And like you said, we won't give it any more until a little bit later. But without further ado, we've got to get into it. As always, you heard us in the first episode. We've got a segment called Three Up, Three Down. And we just want to refresh your memory just a little bit. So Three Up, Three Down. Dan and I are each going to take a team. Uh, we are going to go in order. Dan's got the American League. I have the National League. We are currently in the Central Divisions. Uh, we did the White Sox and Cubs in episode one, and in this episode, we are going to cover. Dan's going to cover the Cleveland Indians, while I am going to cover the St. Louis Cardinals. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to hit on three aspects. Catch the hint: three up, three down. Uh, we're going to hit the obvious prospect for their team, uh, the bust, who's the player that's still hanging around, that's just there, who really was a huge disappointment for them. And last but not least. You know the title of the podcast. You know why we're here. We're going to tell you who is that diamond in the rough, the player you need to be looking out for. Maybe not necessarily hearing his name everywhere, but we're telling you right now on this podcast, you're going to be the first to hear it here, that he is a name to be reckoned with once he hits the pro. So, Dan, without further ado, i got to hear about the Cleveland Indians, who, by the way, if you didn't hear, lost the World Series to the Chicago Cubs. They did, and that's exactly what I was going to mention. We yeah, they go, have to up their game. They're going to have to. We talked about the 2016 World Series champions in Episode 1. Well, we didn't talk about that championship team. We talked about the farm system. And now we get to do the Cleveland Indians, the team who lost the 2016 World Series. And this is going to be a little bit of a rapid-fire type of 3-up, three 3-down, three because we do have to get into that interview. So very quickly, I'm going to go through this. Cleveland Indians, their top prospect. And this is the number four prospect. This is via MLB Pipeline. The number four prospect on the team. But he's your number one. Yes, Francisco Mejia. He's Dan's number one. Is my number one. The catcher. Four. And and the number four, but he's the number one catching prospect in the system. But number four overall. We're just going to give you a little bit of the scouting grades. He has a 50 hit tool, 50 power tool, 30 run, but that's not bad for a catcher. You You don't necessarily 
expect your catcher to have blazing speed. Mm, I guess it helps. But, well, what def- what definitely helps is a killer arm. He has a cannon behind the dish, a 70-rated arm, and a 55-fielder. So, overall, he is 55, definitely an above-average player. And let's go back to what he could do behind the dish. He followed up his previous season. Before this year, he threw out 31% of would-be base stealers. And how do you follow that up? 44% caught stealing total this time around so basically if you run on him you have just a little below or a little above i should say 50 percent success rate that's unheard of those are unheard of not even molina's doing that that's absolutely ridiculous and if you think about it now at least from what i could tell with baseball and this is something i don't like about the new style of the game managers seem to be a little too conservative when it comes to stealing bases. It's almost like a lost art in the game of baseball. And now if you put a catcher like that behind the dish, then you can only imagine he's going to stop so many other people from even daring to try to put the steal sign on. So that is definitely my the prospect, the go-to prospect. I know a lot of people are probably listening in. And what about Bradley Zimmer or Bobby Bradley or Brady Aiken and blah, 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 blah. No, this guy is mine for sure because with that type of arm... An above-average hit tool, you are definitely going to make the major leagues. And, oh, how about this? Let, let, let me also mention this. He was supposed to be involved in that Jonathan LaCroix trade. Oh, how could we forget? A lot, of, a lot of Indians fans are going to remember that one because they woke up that morning and they were hooting and hollering. We got Jonathan LaCroix. We got LaCroix. We got him. Oh, my God, we got him. I, I, I legitimately heard that exact line. <laughs> yeah. I, I roomed with a Cleveland Indian fan this past summer, and he was stoked. I want to say it was maybe 5, 6 in the morning Alaska time, and that is, is exactly what I woke up to, him being Alaska super pumped time. about Jonathan LaCroix. And I can't remember how quick of a turnaround it was to where everybody said, oh, actually, no, it's not going to happen. He's going to the Rangers and he won't be participating in the World Series this year and all that good stuff. Well, well they- first you'll remember they he put put on the the no trade clause and then yes, he of put course, the brakes on it. He put the brakes on it and all the Brewers fans they just could not love him anymore. And that day they had a game and when he came up to the plate, he got the biggest applause that you had heard in the entire 2016 Brewers season. To say the least, you know, because we know how that season went. And that that is the biggest thing probably that most people will remember from Mejia is that he was supposed to be. But look at the bright side. Now you have a soon-to-be major league ready catcher. So I'll ask you, when's he going to be ready? When are we going to see him in the pros? You know, with an arm like that and a hit tool like that, he's... You're talking being an everyday ball player in the pros. An everyday, Absolutely. day-to-day catcher. Not to mention, we're, we're, not, we're already forgetting that hit, his hit streak this year that he put on in the minors. An unbelievable hit streak that everyone was following. Every major league fan, every major league scout forgot about the MLB for a little bit and said, look at this guy Mejia and look what he's doing. There's one thing that baseball teams, organizations are doing a lot better than they used to do in the past. And you can actually see this going on in all four major American sports. And that is you're not delaying bringing up a for sure talent. If somebody is a for sure major league ready ball player you're not gonna let him sit in the minors because he needs that so to speak 
what is it, the, the growth time. You have to almost baby him in, kind of how in football where yeah, a lot it was of... almost an unwritten rule where even if you were the next big quarterback, you had to hold the clipboard for X amount of years. The Aaron Rodgers product. Right, that's no longer a thing. Well, even though, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, if you want to talk NFL, he was behind Brett Favre, so I could see how that still happened. It doesn't work for everyone. Look at Tom Brady and Ryan, and Ryan Mallett, who, or you know, even Peyton Manning or Brock Oswald. But you know what? All right, we're, we're going, we're going uh, off on a rant. <laughs> no, that, that, that's fine. That, that tangent's fine because it's still going to back up what I'm going to say here. It would shock me if somebody who is this major league ready isn't an everyday, isn't a day-to-day ball player within at least the next two seasons. I can maybe see one more season going out, Cleveland still figuring out what they're going to put on, you know, every day-to-day, the one-to-nine in the lineup and their t- top 25-man roster and what have you. He might even break the, break the team, break camp this year. Who knows? But it would shock me. If you go mm-hmm. past a season or two, and this guy still is not in the major leagues. That's just the way baseball's been working out now. I like that. If you're ready, go do it. Don't baby somebody. If they're a big league ball player, they're a big league ball player. Now, this is going to segue me into the diamond in the rough. And this was a little hard at first to find the diamond in the rough here for the Cleveland Indians, but I think I got it, Sam. I think I got it. Let the me hear reason, it. The big reason being he's 19 years old. Mm-hmm. 19 years old, I was barely learning how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. So this kid, though, you still don't know how. is a I don't. I burn all the time. He is a rising star by the name of Oscar Gonzalez, and he's so far batting 41 games, 41 career games in the minors. He's batting 297. He does have a 45 hit tool, so he's a has the below average hit tool that can only get better with time. He's 19 years old, 55 power, 45 speed, but a 70 arm. And a 50 field rate. So 45 overall, it's a little below average on the overall scale. But 19 years old, I have a big feeling that he's still going to be pretty good product. At 19 years old, and you're in the top 30 in your organization's farm system, that can only breed something good. And now this goes to the fun one. I, For whatever reason, and I know we're only two episodes in, I have the most fun with the bust. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe because you could throw a little jokes around or whatnot, but... And looking for... It's just because you like telling people they suck, that's all. Well, I, like I said, at, at 19, I definitely wasn't playing pro baseball. I, I could tell you that much, so maybe it just makes me feel a little better about myself. But <laughs> I said, okay, how am I going to find a bust about the Cleveland Indians? I'm not a Cleveland Indian farm system kind of sore, so to speak. So I had to do a little digging, Sam. And the digging brought me into a website by SB Nation called Let's Go Tribe. And I found this article published October 10th, 2013, uh, by a gentleman by the name of Jason Lucart in The Lead. This is what it reads for Mr. Dorsus Polino. Dorsius Polino, by the way, D-O-R-S-S-Y-S, the spelling of his first name. That is a play-by-play announcer's nightmare when you see that on, when you see that on the lineup card for the first time. But anyways, it says here that he entered the 2013 season as the consensus. Everybody thought it. Number three prospect in the Indian system behind only Francisco Lindor and Trevor Bauer. And I think anybody who's listening into this show who is a baseball fan, you definitely know who Francisco Lindor is. You oh, definitely yeah. know who Trevor Bauer is. Even if you're a new fan of baseball and you watch the World Series, you know those two names. But you know who you don't know? Dorcius Paulino. I don't know. But maybe you do. Nope. Maybe, maybe I've, got, I've well, got nothing. Maybe do, but there was a reason for him being the quote-unquote number three. The, the consensus was he was number three behind only those two power names. And, you know, he does have numbers to back it up. 
333 is what he batted in 2012. Followed that up with 355, but then after that is where it gets bad. 271, 246, 251, zero. Although that's only one game. It's only one game. So that mm-hmm. that breeds injury. I didn't do enough digging necessarily on that, but you could kind of tell what's going on there. It's either something like that or something obviously happened to where that blip came in. And then the average just he's bad career in the minors two seventy one, but somebody like that who gets off to a hot start average only means so much. We all know. That. Oh, it, it does, and he has, that's coupled with thirty one home runs. You can also bring up the two hundred and twenty four RBIs and four hundred and seventy nine games. Do the math on that. Do what you will, but he's obviously the bust. If this fan website, so to speak, is going to say in twenty thirteen he is the number three prospect behind Francisco Lindor. And Trevor Bauer. And that is my three up, three down for the Cleveland Indians, the 2016 American League champions. And losers of the World Series. That they were. That's what sounds even better about it. But they didn't get Jonathan LaCroix at the end. They Mm -mm. still have Mejia, who's going to be Major League ready in a couple seasons. He's Major League ready now, but when he's going to be there, we'll see. Maybe this year, maybe next year. Won't be longer than two. That's at least what I am projecting. Look, Lou Croy wasn't going to win them the World Series, anyways. But let's let's keep this let's keep this ball rolling here. We don't here. know that. We'll I, 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 we, I, we don't know, but we, but we kind of know. Um, moving in, I've got the St. Louis Cardinals. We're going to switch this on over. Uh, the Cardinals just seem to be that team every year. They define the diamond in the rough, do they not? Every year, there's a player that comes up with the St. Louis Cardinals, and we say, "Who in the hell is that guy?" And he's batting a three hundred. Next thing you know, he's hitting the game winner. It's unbelievable what this organization does. I would definitely say, yeah, if, if there is any team that has the most diamond in the roughs on them, it would be on a year-to-year basis. That's pretty much what they almost build their team around is a bunch of guys who you might not know, but boom, here they are. So we got to give a lot of credit to probably the coaching staff, particularly in their farm system. So this was a lot of fun for me going through the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I got to start with the obvious prospect, Alex Reyes, the pitcher is just unreal out of the Dominican Republic. Uh, The Cardinals picked him up in 2012, so you know he's just about ready to hit the majors. In fact, he did hit the majors last year, pitched in 12 games, posted a 1.57 ERA, struck out 52 people in just 12 games, Dan. Unbelievable. This guy, and I'm going to tell you what, he's got strikeout stuff. That's what it is. He's learned how to command it over the years. Uh, With these kind of pitchers, that's what it is. When they're younger, they don't have much command, but their fastball is flaming hot, and they usually have a power curveball to go along with it, a changeup just to screw up some hitters, and that's exactly what Alex Reyes has. He is a star to be. He's going to be in the Cardinals rotation for years to come and expect him to be their two, maybe even one pitcher if the Cardinals can keep it up with him. He's going to replace Wainwright since we know he's probably going to be on his way out. So look for Reyes. He is the obvious prospect. I get, I love him. I love his fastball, and I love his curveball. It is power material. He is a strikeout pitcher, uh, soon to be 200-plus strikeout pitcher to say the least, and hopefully he'll eat up some innings for the Cardinals as well. Uh, I will say this, though. He did have a 50-game suspension for guess what? Go ahead. Take a guess. You, you might know. You might not. That would – that – that definitely sounds like performance enhancement drugs. Nope, 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 nope. It's much simpler and much... Which I've never had, so you can't suspend me from the podcast. It's, it's similar. <laughs> so he obviously did something a little stupid. Uh, I, if it's, if it's stupid, a 50-game suspension, did he punch a wall? Did he 
break too many Gatorade bottles. No, it was he. He smoked a little weed, man. That's oh, it. Oh, okay. He smoked a little weed. Yeah, you and can't you, do that unless you're in Colorado or Alaska I, or what Seattle, are the other states? Right? Seattle, right? Seattle, yes. Yeah, you see like how much that. you see how much we know about this stuff. But honestly, so smoked a little for weed any of you listening, game suspension. Any of you listening out there, you're gonna tell me that was worth a 50 game suspension? This oh, you top can't break the prospect? rules. You can't break the rules. You can't break the rules. You know what? That rule needs to change. And I think every single person out there is going to agree with me. Maybe not every single person, but a lot of people, especially those younger folks. I mean, come on, you young yeah, baseball lovers. It's time right. to get with the times, I would say, for me. Get with baseball. the goddamn times. But, the guy but, smoked weed. But so what? Uh, so you're saying that you're saying they shouldn't have handed him the 50 game suspension? Absolutely was it, was it the not. team or the league? It was... I think that's something we need to find that's out. That's a good question. I, I, I have looked into yeah. it. I think it was the league. I think it was the league. Well, though. I could see why the league would do it. If you're the team, you don't do it. But if you're the league, you're just playing by the, you're playing by the guidelines. Look, I'm not saying a, a pitcher needs to you know, smoke a bowl every time he goes out on the mound. But let's not, let's not toss him a 50-game suspension. But regardless, moving on, Alex Reyes, he's your obvious prospect. He is a star to be. 50-game suspension or not, he is still rocking it. And look for him this season, not next season. He's already been in the pros. He knows how it works. That 12 games did him well, and he started five of them, by the way. He is going to be a star to be, and Cardinals fans, be excited. But let's go to something you shouldn't be excited about. i got to go to the bus. I like saving the diamond and the rough for last. It's got to be Jordan Swaggerty. Let me tell you what. This guy has anything but it. I'm going to tell you why. Like most pitchers, you know, these are the kind of guys – you feel for you know you really do feel for him because the injury bug hit him and it hit him really hard. So he comes in, he's drafted second round out of Arizona State in 2010. Uh, first year is 2011, and he comes out and he's lights out. He's an all star, moves all the way up, gets promoted twice until he's finally in Double A, and that's a big leap for prospects as we know. Right. And he kills it. He absolutely does an amazing job. And the Cardinals all of a sudden realize, wow, our second round pick, you know, he's something special. Bum, bum, bum. And then plot twist. Plot twist. Injury bug hits him. He doesn't even play a game in 2012. And then, Dan, 2015 comes around. He's trying to recover. And the guy just couldn't get it together. In 20 games pitched. By the way, he was a starter. He got moved to the bullpen. Ended up being the closer for a little while. And honestly, I think they were hoping he would be the closer of the future. But in just 20 games, the guy... He posted a 12.38 ERA. That's not good. 21 walks. That's high. To eight strikeouts. That's pretty, and that's not a, that's not a great ratio either. So it's, it's okay, I guess. You know. No, so you did no. your research, it okay? It sucks. More and, than I did. And you know what? He was released. The Cardinals had enough, and you know, in 20, July 2015. of 20, July of 2015, they did let him go. Uh, you feel for the guy like that, you know? The injury bug just hit him hard. He's 27 now, and no one picked him up in 2016, and you got to imagine. He's done. Yeah, if you have an ERA over a dozen, then that's you're pro, you're not good at your job. I could say that he and was not good at his job. I try to be mean. I, I wish him the best, and you know, hope, I'm not trying to wish you know bad things on anybody. Hopefully, he gets it together. But you're not succeeding at your job, and you may not have that particular job when all is said and done after a little while. So that is a pretty good bust find. Now you're going to the diamond in the rough next. Mike, I got I got to finish correctly? with the diamond so, so, in the rough. So far, you went. Pitcher, pitcher, mm-hmm. for a dime in the rough, are we going to go pitcher? No! Okay, 
So you make, you're not going three for three on this. No, 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 no. We're going utility player for the three up, three down. He's your diamond in the rough. I may be a little biased because I went to Illinois State. He is a Illinois State alum. Redbird. He is a Redbird, so a proud time. Redbird. Redbird for life, baby. It is Paul DeYoung. You yeah, gotta love him. I never heard. You never. All right. You know what? That's fine. That's why he's a diamond in the rough, right? So fourth round pick. The year before, he was actually drafted by the Pirates in the late, late, late rounds. And he said no. And he did say no. Okay. He decided to play one more year at ISU, and that, boy, did that do him well. It bumped him up all the way to the fourth round. And, of course, who else but the St. Louis Cardinals had to pick him? He's a Redbird. He's a Redbird. He had to be a Cardinal. It only made sense. But I got to tell you what, in just two seasons, this guy, now, th- let me tell you my favorite thing about him. He could play. He's a Redbird? Well, besides that, he could play any position in the infield. He was a catcher. At ISU, because ISU had no choice. They had no one he had to catch, and he was the best thing they had. Uh, naturally, though, he's more of an infielder. Uh, he did play second base in college, but with the Cardinals organization, they've used him a lot at third base, actually, at the hot corner. Uh, and he could play a little left field as well. So this is a guy, this is your Ben Zobris, you know. This is your Javier Baez. This is the Cardinals guy that's going to be moving anywhere. And as you're going to hear in the interview, a little preview again, a little interview we've got coming up. You're going to hear that he is on his way to AAA uh, already, and he is going to be the starting shortstop, it sounds like. So he is moving all around the diamond. He is the guy you want. In two years, he's posted 31 home runs and 114 RBI. That is some power for an infielder. Yeah, and he's versatile, so I like it. I, he's a red bird. Didn't necessarily catch me at first with that. But somebody who is that versatile, that's another thing that, hey, if you want to get bumped up, be good at every position. That's, Be good at every that position. That helps your stock, I'll tell you that much. Oh, you know what? I, I, honestly, in this day and age, it's it's not a requirement, but if you want to impress, you have to. As an, as an infielder, you better be ready to play any spot on that diamond, uh, whether it's first base or third base. And Paul DeYoung just happens to be that special character who can happen to catch as well. I'm not going to recommend it. He's not the best catcher around, but he can do it. He can do it. He's he, your emergency catcher, though. He is. He is. You remember, he is. Who? who who? Two catchers get injured very, like, oddly in back-to-back games, and, oh, my goodness, nobody else is on the roster. He's the guy who said, wait, hold on, he he could catch? Oh, oh, he used to do it in college. That, that's basically one of those guys. You know what You know what it reminds me of? A Hall of Famer. I know, I know I'm really pushing my limits here. I'm not comparing him, but I'm just saying it reminds yeah, me of a certain Red Hall Bird, of Famer that started as a catcher and moved his way to second base. Who am I talking about? Started as a catcher. Moved his way to second base. Moved his way to second base. 3,000 plus hits. 3,000 plus hits. You're not talking about... It's not Jeff Kent. Oh, no, but you're in the right ballpark, right team. Well, he played for a few different teams. Right. <sighs> south. Think South. Come on. Not Biggio. It's Biggio. It's Biggio. Craig Biggio. His rookie year came out as a catcher. Actually did play a little catcher yeah, in right. MLB. So, until he's moved to second base and... The rest is history. He was a yeah. Hall of Famer. I don't know if Paul DeYoung has the same route. Probably not. The same route. Same, same route. Yeah. What am I talking about? DeYoung, though, he is the diamond in the rough. The Cardinals have a lot to look forward to him, and that's the name of the game in St. Louis, baby. They've got diamond in the roughs all over the place. They pride themselves on having on those drafts and grabbing as many stars as they can. Um, now, Dan, that's going to transition us. That was our three up, three down. We do not have another segment necessarily with just us, but instead we have a very, very special interview with you, for for you rather, and it is with Nathan Believa. He is the voice of the Peoria Chiefs of the single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. He's my good friend. I work closely with him uh, doing some freelance work. He's a great guy. And let me tell you something, Dan. 
if there's one thing we learned from in this interview, yeah, he knows his Cardinals and he knows his baseball. My goodness, the names he drops and just the intelligence he brings to this interview. It, it's a special treat to listen to, isn't it, Don? No, it definitely is, and you get to listen to him and not us for the majority of it, so that's that's, that's a plus even right better, there. right? If there's any more reason to stick around to the podcast, boom, there you go, I got you hooked. You get to listen to him, and he is going to drop some awesome knowledge, not only about the Peoria Chiefs, not only about the single A level in the minor leagues, but just around, all about just baseball stuff. He's going to tell you about who Autumn and everything else. It's, it's definitely worth the listen in the 20-plus minutes that's going to take. You know, and it's a it's a little fun rivalry. Uh, I work for the King County Cougars, and the Peoria Chiefs are in the same Midwest League, so I've gotten to see the Peoria Chiefs uh, almost just as much as he's gotten to see the King County Cougars last season. But I got to tell you, he's got plenty more knowledge than I do. So please, without further ado, stop listening to us. We're going to ask a few questions to him. This was our interview with Nathan Believa again, the voice of the Peoria Chiefs. It's from the right-hander. Ripped into the right field corner. That ball was down and rolling to the wall. People's walls rounding second, heading for third. Cruzo's going to send him home. The cutoff throw from the infield. Not in time. Chiefs win. First extra base hit of the season for Steve Bean, and it's a walk-off double. Chiefs win it 4-3. Back with the postgame show after this on the Peoria Chiefs Radio Network. We have Nathan Believa here with us. He is the voice of the Peoria Chiefs, the single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals currently. Uh, Nathan, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been doing this since 2003, correct? That's correct, yep. So, you've seen not only the St. Louis Cardinals, but you've seen the Chicago Cubs come through your way as well. Yeah, we had uh, my my first two years, plus my intern year, uh, we were with the Cardinals um, and 2002 was my intern year, and then 2003 full time. And then we had an eight year stint uh, with the Cubs, and then uh, the new regime up there. We had one year with with the new uh, the new regime with Theo and, and Jed uh, and, and Jason, and then they uh, uh, moved the uh, their affiliation up to King County, and then eventually South Bend. So we went back to the Cardinals uh, for the 2013 season. So we just completed our first. Uh, four-year contract with them. Uh, so this uh, this season here in April, we'll start our, our next four-year contract uh, with the Cardinals. But being you know in Peoria, right between the two, um, since 1985, uh, the Chiefs have been affiliated with one or the other after uh, the first two years we were with the Angels. So um, it's a nice now 32-year run uh, with either the Cubs or the Cardinals. Well, those are some pretty good organizations to be with, and I'll get right into it, especially with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. They seemed, you know, this uh, this podcast, it's all about prospects, and the Cardinals just seem to always have these guys coming up that no one's ever really heard of, and they come out and they perform. So what our question for you is, these guys that are coming through the single A for the St. Louis Cardinals, what is it about these guys that they're able to come up with, no one even knowing their name, and to perform so well in the majors? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, I think it's a couple of things. One, uh, the, the the talent finders, uh, the scouts, uh, you know, the full time people in the front office, they have a specific uh, skill set, if you will, that, that they're looking for. Uh, you know, they don't they, they don't necessarily want to want to go out and get the. Uh, 
you know, the, the, the kid that was in the College World Series or the number one rank and, and all that stuff. They want guys who, uh, you know, they know are winners. They want guys with the right attitude. You know, you look at somebody who, who didn't play in Peoria, but, you know, kind of fits that prototype that you were just talking about that comes out of nowhere. You know, somebody like Matt Carpenter, who was drafted in the teens round, um, you know, and, and just hit at every level. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, is, is, a, is a pretty good major leaguer in, in, in doing, you know, what he's been doing up there. You know, they, they, yeah, they've had their, their fair share of first-round successes, uh, you know, in, in, in Michael Waka and, you know, Shelby Miller, who was later traded, were, were both first-rounders. And, uh, you know, a couple of guys that are, that are up there now, and Colton Wong and, and Phil Fitzpatrick and Stephen Piscotty was a first-rounder. So there are guys like that, too, but I think they do a really good job of finding those gems in the middle to late rounds, um, you know, guys with the with the work ethic, um, that that's a big thing with them too. You know, they they want guys that they know are going to be uh, gym rats, like we call them in basketball, that are going to be in there watching the video and uh, hitting the cages and, and willing to learn. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. And then on the Latin American side too. You know, they've been getting all these fireballers lately. You know, you get these guys that are, uh, you know, we've had them the last three or four years starting, uh, you know, with Alex Reyes and then continuing this year with, with Sandy Alcantara and, and Junior Fernandez and uh, even Ryan Helsley, who's from Oklahoma, and Darian Gonzalez. Those guys are all throwing at, at this level, you know, 98, 99s, and flashing some 100s uh, up on the radar gun. And, and they know that. They go after that. You know, it kind of started with Trevor Rosenthal, um, you know, who was drafted – you know, back about six years ago now, and, and he was the first one that, that they had come through that was 98-99, and then, you know, you, you see some of these other guys do it too, and, and now it's just kind of, you know, the, the way of baseball uh, to get those guys to throw in the high 90s. So, you know, that, that's definitely been a focus for them and, and, uh, and something that they've been successful with. Nathan, baseball guys talk about this all the time. It's one of those funny games where, as a hitter, if you achieve 30% of the time at the plate, you know you're you're doing a pretty darn good job, and you know you're talking right. to, yeah, and you're talking about these really good evaluators that you've been, you know, you've had the luxury to be around for over a decade already. And when it comes to these guys who are evaluating this type of talent, there's a lot of things that they could grade. They could take out the pen and the paper, and they could give a guy a 50 on his speed, or a 60 on his arm, or his powers maybe a 40 or a 70. But there's one thing that's obviously a little tougher to evaluate and it's something that you're kind of hinting on and I think it's the mental toughness aspect of baseball for these guys when they're coming out of college and transitioning into pro ball that's something you can't necessarily put a number on it so for somebody like you who's been watching a lot of these ball players coming in and out who are some of the guys that you've been around who have just top-notch mental toughness some of the guys who maybe they're having an 0 for 30 streak at the plate but for some reason they're still going to be that guy who comes in day in and day out the first guy on the field and the last one to leave yeah, you know, one of those guys who jumps out definitely a mental toughness is the, is the guy that, that's up there by you guys and now on the opposite side of, of our rivalry. But, um, you know, and, and that's Javi Baez, you know, striking out four times in a game. Okay, whatever. Next time I'm going to hit two home runs, you know. And that's just kind of, you know, the confidence. Um, you know, it's, it's not arrogance. It's, it's the confidence that he has in himself. Um, and his ability and, and knowing that he's going to go in there um, and study. There was a guy that, that we just talked to in, in St. Louis this week and, and as part of the, the, uh, the winter warm-up, um, and, and Carson Kelly, who was shifted from a third baseman when he was drafted in the second round and is now a catcher and is the heir apparent 
uh, to Yadier Molina, who's as tough as it gets mentally and, and work ethic-wise. And, you know, Carson, and he talked about this in his, uh, his media press conference this week with the St. Louis media, you know, how, how blessed is he to be in a position where he gets to go to spring training and, and he works side-by-side with Yadier Molina, an eight-time gold glove winner and also a former chief who was here my intern year. But, you know, he gets to go work with him every single day. And, oh, by the way, the manager happens to be, you know, one of the best defensive catchers of his era as well and Mike McKinney. So, you know, if Carson's not picking their brain every single day, that's on him. And, and, and trust me, he does pick their brains every single day. I was around the kid for, you know, a, a year and a half here. And, and uh, you know, he just embraces it and, and goes after it. And, and, and takes that challenge. So, you know, those are a, a couple of the guys that are that, that really jump out, you know, to me for doing that. You know, and, it, and it's funny, too, that you mentioned that the scout grading because, you know, I, I get a chance to, to talk to some of these scouts and we kind of have one on uh, on the Colonel staff who, who works for us quite a bit. And, you know, they, they see these guys, you know, maybe they see us four or five games in a row, um, you know, and then a couple weeks later they'll see us again. And they can see all those things on, on the field and they can uh, – uh, you know, they can evaluate that stuff, uh, you know, whether it's their fastball command or their, their curveball break or, you know, their bat speed or their running speed. But they're not, you know, they're not necessarily in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, they're not on the bus. They don't see what the, uh, you know, how the other players on the team respect or don't respect the player. You know, they don't know who the in-clubhouse leaders are. And I, I think that's a big part of some of these players that, you know, might sneak up on you. Uh, you know, everybody in the world can see, you know, the Byron Buxton's coming, you know, and you can see, uh, you know, those top prospects, you know, Bryce Harper and those guys coming. But then when you get this, this kid who is a 13th round pick or a 30th round pick, or you go all the way back to Mike Piazza, who was what, like a 60th round pick back when there was that many rounds yeah, something and insane. Are on. And a lot of times it's the behind the scenes stuff that the scouts, the writers, the media don't necessarily see, uh, you know, and, and, and that's one of the guys that's working their butts off. So when you see or fans see these guys, uh, you know, who make it to the majors is a 28th round pick and everybody's like, Oh, he came out of nowhere. Guarantee you that was one of the guys that was first on the field taking extra batting practice in the cage after batting practice, taking extra throws, looking at video, talking to coaches, uh, you know, picking the brains of the major leaguers when they're invited to spring training. Those are the guys that are busting their butts, and, and that's why they're a surprise, quote-unquote, is a 30th rounder, and vice versa. When your team takes a first-round pick um, who has all the talent in the world and they don't make it, you can probably – put two and two together there that they're on the opposite end of that spectrum that they kind of, unless obviously there's an injury involved, uh, you know, that maybe they took their talent for granted and they weren't the first person in, they weren't taking extra flips in the cage. They weren't, uh, you know, doing extra running drills or extra outfield drills or, or whatever. And, uh, and maybe that's why, you know, it didn't pan out for them. So you can kind of, kind of go both ways. So Nathan, keeping this trend going of all these late round picks for the Cardinals and all these stars coming up, uh, we actually have a segment on this podcast called Three Up, Three Down, where we basically, we take a major league team and we decide who's their obvious prospect, who's been the bust recently still on the team, first round pick that can't find their way, maybe even out of rookie league, say. And of course, last, uh, the, the name of the podcast, The Diamond in the Rough, and we just did the Cardinals um, and I wanted you to weigh in on it. First, the obvious prospect we did was Alex Reyes. Of course, you, you mentioned him earlier. 
Um, he, he's a, definitely going to be a starter in the Cardinals rotation coming up. And uh, even more so what I wanted to bring up to you, and you may know I'm a, I'm a little biased, but uh, for my diamond in the rough, I had to go with the Redbird alum, Paul DeYoung. So I want to get your feedback on that and find out from you who the obvious prospect and uh, who the diamond in the rough just might be. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, you nailed it. You know, with, with, with Reyes, you know, you look at the top and, and those guys that have made it. Um, you know, if you, if you took if you took Reyes and Carson Kelly, I guess, out of the equation because they've already made it to the major leagues. I know they didn't hit their um, you know their major league minimum, so they're both technically still rookies and prospects for all the rankings. But I'll give you one. Uh, you know, out of that, the Harrison Bader, who was a, a, a top pick a couple years ago, came straight to us in the 2015 season. Um, and, and carried us to the playoffs, had a fantastic year in Double A Springfield this year, got to go up to Triple A Memphis for a little bit, uh, went back to Springfield for their playoff run, um, and, and then on to the Arizona Fall League where he has some pretty good power numbers there too. And he can play center and he can play the corner outfield, um, played, at, played at the University of Florida and had a lot of success there, helping them to the College World Series. He got that that winning mentality and, and, a, and a ton of confidence. So, um, you know, Reyes is, is the obvious choice and, and a perfect choice. I loved watching him pitch all in 2014. Really improved the second half of the season for us. Uh, working with former Major Leaguer Jason Simon Tachi as our pitching coach, I think was big for Alex because whatever Jason told him, you know, he knew, hey, this guy's been to the majors. He pitched there for, you know, six, seven, eight years and, and, and got there. Um, so, you know, I better, I better listen to him and, and, uh, and work my way up there. And I know some of the other uh, Dominican players with the Cardinals, Carlos Martinez specifically, kind of took Alex under their wing, at, under his wing at, at spring training, especially last year after he had the, the suspension, um, you know, and, and kind of talked to him and helped him out there. So I think, um, you know, that's the obvious choice. And then, and then I'll give you Bader as another one to watch if, if you want a position player or somebody who hasn't been in the majors as of yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's there sometime in 2017, uh, you know, especially if there's uh, an injury or two. Uh, DeYoung's fantastic. You know, watching him play, um, you know, was, was a lot of fun. He, he and uh, Bader actually joined us on the exact same day in July of 2015. Um, and after they joined us, we went on a 25-5 and run uh, with, with those two hitting uh, behind each other and next to each other in the lineup. You know, Bader took over center field. DeYoung took over third, two very important positions on the diamond. Uh, both gave us a bunch of pop, and you know we were in last place when they joined us on uh, on the fifth of July, and, and we ended up clinching a playoff spot with uh, with four games to go, and, and won our first round series over King County. Uh, you know with those two, so uh, you know big big players there. The, the thing about the Youngs is versatility. You know we were talking to him on on Sunday, and you know he's going into camp as a shortstop, and uh, he, he's being given every opportunity to head to Triple A Memphis this year as their starting shortstop. Um, you know, and, and to be the next man up. But you look at the Cardinals' versatility and these guys that they have, um, you know, with, with Matt Carpenter, who I mentioned earlier, and, um, you know, a lot of these guys that can play multiple positions, that's your best way to the majors now is to be able to play short, third, second, maybe a corner outfield position. You know, Paul caught in college. So, um, you know, you can do a little bit of everything. And yeah, no choice with the Redbirds, though. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and and he can and he can hit too. We had, uh, you know, in, in the teens, home run wise, um, now two years in a row in in, in pro ball. So, um, you know, he skyrocketed a year and a half in the system, and you know, he's their projected starting triple A shortstop, and and 
uh, had a lot of success. So I, I, I think, you know, I think those are good picks, um, you know, to come through. And, and I'll give you another diamond in the rough just on there that, that's not making a lot of people's prospect list, um, but was our best player in, in 2016, and that's Eli Alvarez, second baseman uh, from the Dominican, was uh, uh, an all-star here. Like I said, was our best player. You know, he hit third for us because we did not have a power hitter. Uh, on our roster this year, that was the the one thing that that we lacked and, and kept us from advancing in the playoffs. As we lost in the first round, we didn't have a you know a fifteen to twenty five um, you know home run hitter in, in that lineup. So you know he's probably not a three hitter moving forward, but you know a very good bat, hit over three hundred, uh, you know stole a bunch of bags, uh, needs to get a little bit better uh, defensively at, at second base, but you know doubles, triples. Um, you know, home, he, had, he had a, a couple of home runs, um, you know, and, and as I said, hit for average and um, had very good plate discipline, too. So Eli Alvarez is the, is the guy I'd throw in there to, to mention the diamond in the rough. Nathan, my first question to you was regarding mental toughness, and you brought up a name like Javier Baez, and, you know, he, he's pretty good at baseball, I would say. Something that something that comes to me with single A ball is I think of a lot of guys who are now transitioning into minor league baseball. Maybe a few of these guys were big names from big pedigree schools. Maybe they were a top shortstop at LSU or a big arm out of Texas A&M. And now they're trying to get adjusted into pro ball at the single A level. And around them are other names from other big schools. Or you mentioned it already. They're from maybe the Dominican. There's a lot of other talent now. And you mentioned that Javier Baez, it wasn't arrogance, he was just very confident, but what's the proper way to take it, that transition, and then also be competitive with your teammates at the same time? I think a lot of it's attitude. Um, you know, mental toughness is part of it, but you also have to be prepared. The, the toughest thing about our league, um, our level, um, is that for most of our players, it's their first full year of pro ball. Um you know, in a, or it's their first full season of pro ball, um, meaning that the, the leagues below us um, in the Cardinals system, that means State College and, and Johnson City for short season or rookie ball for, for Cubs fans listening in. You know, that means that the team out in Eugene in the Northwest League or out in Mesa, Arizona uh, for the Arizona Rookie League, those teams play 70 to, to 72 games depending on, their, on the league. Um, our league is 140 games. Um, you know, college, the college players come in here, even if they made it to the College World Series, they're playing 65 games. Um, you know, if they played in high school, depending on where they're from, if they're from California, Texas, Florida, they might play more. If they're from the, the colder states, they might play less. But, you know, you look at Illinois, you're playing, what, 30 games? You know, if you're, if you're a top-notch high school prospect, you play 30 games, and then, you know, you go play a year. If you get drafted out of high school, you go play a year of rookie ball. So that's 70 more, so you play 100 games. Then you get sent to us, and it's 140. Um, you know, that, that 40 extra games, that's a big deal. Um, and, and don't forget, they're also playing, you know, 20 to 25 in spring training. So it's really 160 to 170 games. Not that they're playing every single day like you do in the majors, but um, – you know, and that's a big transition. You've got to be there mentally because, as you mentioned earlier, this is a game that will humble you real quick because you'll have an 0 for 20 slump and then that ball look like a P. Um, you know, and, and your average, you look at some of these kids, especially in high school, you know, these kids that get drafted in the first 10 rounds out of high school, they all hit 440. They all hit, you know, 510, whatever it might be. Some of these the filthy stats that you see for high school, you get in the pro ball, 
and those kids that are the best that were the best player on their team for their entire life are now hitting 210. You know, then they're starting to get questions back home, um, whether it's from family or friends or high school teammates. Hey, man, what's wrong? You know, you hit 440 last year <laughs> in high school, and now you're hitting 210. You know, or or you're a pitcher, and you know you are. You look at some of these pitchers' numbers when when we're going through bios. You know, in high school, so and so was 12 and one with a 0.41 ERA as a senior in high school. Well, guess what? You're not doing in in professional baseball. You're not putting up. Even if you're Clayton Kershaw, you're not putting up a 0.41 ERA. Not a um, chance. You know, so this game will humble you real quick, and you just have to have the right attitude. I, I also think that you need to have a, a solid base of uh, people that you can you can talk to, whether it's teammates, whether it's people in the organization, whether it's you know, a, a big brother, you know, a mom and dad, a, a girlfriend, a wife, whoever, that you can just kind of, you know, talk about life, about baseball, about your failures, about your successes. That That's a big key, too, that you see with, with some of the guys that that, uh, that are able to get through that and, and have some success. And, and the other part I mentioned is the travel. You know, it, it's really funny. You, you mentioned LSU and Texas A&M. Those teams travel better than we do. Uh, you know, we're not getting on flights to go from Peoria to Appleton, Wisconsin. That's a six-hour bus ride. You know, we're not getting on a flight to go from, you know, from here to uh, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, that that's a bus ride. You know, and, and when, when LSU, one of the premier teams in the country, they're not riding a bus from Baton Rouge to Gainesville, Florida, for a series against the Gators. Um, you know, they're, they're – they're, and even, even if they do take a bus from the airport to the, to the hotel or whatever – you know, it's a charter bus that, you know, might be a little bit better than what you get in the minor leagues. And the hotels um, are, are also, for the most part, probably better, too. So that's a that's an adjustment, you know. And I joke with some of our guys that, that come from those those big-name college schools. Like, hey, you traveled better than this in college, didn't you? And like, yep, yeah, we did. Well, you want to travel oh. like that again? Then you then you, gotta, you better get to AAA because that's the first time you're getting on a flight again in minor league baseball is AAA. Well, Nathan, we really appreciate you taking the time with us today. But before we let you go, we have to ask, Just, I know you're purely just an absolute baseball fan. So being a baseball fan, over the years, who is the one player that you watched and you just completely awed at? Oh, that, that's, with, that's without a doubt Mike Trout. Uh, he was on Cedar Rapids in, in 2010. And I'd have to look up the exact numbers, but just from memory, I think you get like, 700 against us. My it was, God. It was just, you know, it, it, was, it, probably wasn't, it probably wasn't that high, but it was. It seemed like every single time he came to the plate, he was on base and he was scoring. You know, it, it was amazing. That, that Cedar Rapids team in 2010 had him and, and Gene Segura and Randall Gritchick um, and, and then Tyler Skaggs on the mound and, and Garrett Richards, I believe, was on that team as well. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Cedar Rapids, I don't think any of those players made it through the entire season without getting promoted. So oh, of course not. Around, you know, they, did, they didn't have that team. Cause I, know Trout, I know Trout, for example, didn't come back after the Futures game, so he was gone um, in mid-July. So the, he was fantastic. And the other one, too, my second year of pro ball, um, Ian Kinsler got promoted from Clinton when they were, uh, when they were affiliated with the Texas Rangers. Uh, Ian Kinsler got promoted from Clinton I think it was early July. It might have been right around our all-star break at the end of June. Uh, but he was hitting 412 when he got promoted, and he went straight to double A. He skipped over high A. Uh, went straight. He actually played his last game here in Peoria 
in, in went straight to Double A and obviously never looked back and, and was off to a you know a fantastic career with with Texas and and in Detroit. So um, you know as, as far as hitters, those were the two that it was like, all right, yep, they're going to be in the major leagues and they're going to be there for a long time and they're really really good. <laughs> so basically, now Nathan, what you're telling us is that Mike Trout and Ian Kinzer probably didn't get a lot of those phone calls from their buddies back home asking them what the heck is up with their batting yeah, average, yeah. right? No, no, they sure didn't. They got the exact opposite phone call. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Hey man, when, you, when, you, when, you get to the, when you get to the major leagues, can you get me tickets? Those yeah. Are the <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be there yesterday, right? <laughs> That's well, right. Well, Nathan, again, we really appreciate you taking the time with us. And uh, all I've got to say is um, go Cougars. Yeah, I knew, yeah. That, I knew that was coming. Yeah, go Cougs, baby. That's, that's, that's fair. You know, they, they, they sign your paychecks. So yeah. yeah, they sure do. <laughs> thanks, Nathan. All right, thanks a lot, Nathan. No, we'll talk right, to you later. Guys, I appreciate it. Anytime. All right, have a good one. Wow. Just wow. Damn, that was Nathan Believa again, voice of the Peoria Chiefs, single-A affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. And the amount of knowledge he just dropped on all of us and you, the listeners, is pretty incredible. He's talking about all of these future All-Stars and current All-Stars and health future Hall of Famers at the end there. You heard him talking about how Mike Trout, when he was playing with the Cedar Rapids Colonels, and how he got to watch him play and how he was just in awe. And boy, if there's anything I learned from this interview, it's that the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, he, and Nathan mentioned it. They don't look for these top-notch guys in the college World Series who are putting Didn't up incredible catch numbers. Did that catch you off guard at first? You know, a little bit, because that's, I mean, they're the obvious ones, right? Yeah, the guys who, and I don't know if that's exactly how he meant it, but the way he worded it was, you know, they don't necessarily go after these guys who are very, very clutch in the, in the college World Series, or they're this highly touted guy necessarily. They go more for the guys who they know mentally could get it done. And that was just a little surprising to mm-hmm. me at first. He obviously went into a little more detail there, which made me get what he was saying. But that initial statement, did catch, it did catch me a little off guard. Just a little bit when you first hear it. But, wow, you know, you, it make, it doesn't it make sense now, though? It totally makes sense. These St. Louis Cardinals players that come, they're out there on the field, you know, an hour before batting practice, getting their own in. It's all about the hard work when it comes to baseball. It's like you said, not only a mental game, but you got to come out and work. This is it. We're not talking. You're not going to be up in a week or even two weeks. You know, we, the, you know, you get your unique situations, the Bryce Harpers of the world, but you have to work, grind every single year from single A, hell, even rookie league. You're going to start at all the way to triple A until the, finally the St. Louis Cardinals say, "All right, we're going to give you your chance." And you see that that's the. That's the beauty. Well, I don't know if a lot of guys playing single-A baseball will call this part. We'll say this is the beauty of it. But there's obviously single-A, you know, after you get done with rookie ball or say you're playing Arizona Fall League, whatever you want to do, that's kind of obviously that's the first major step after being drafted. It's the part of the track that the guys start with. It's that 140-game season that Nathan was mentioning. And it's different from being in double-A or single-A because then perhaps you're just one injury away from being bumped up to the show. But single A, you don't know. You don't know what's next. You don't necessarily know. you got to grind your way to get to get bumped up to double A. Or maybe when you make you know an extra step and you go straight to triple A. But very, very rarely are you going to go from A ball and then right away to the big leagues. So and, it's you have to make that next step. You have to get that incline going. 
And those are the guys to me that 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 fight just has to that mental toughness, that fight has to be there. And obviously I can only imagine how at certain times, say you have an 0 for 30 streak, you can walk into that clubhouse as a broadcaster, as a coach, as a teammate, as a reporter, and you can almost just feel some kind of weird energy in the air where some guy just feels that that pink slip is weeks away because lo and behold, there's somebody right behind you who's definitely ready to take your spot and impress. So it has to just be a very interesting kind of clubhouse to be around because it's a different kind of a team. You're coming from maybe a Texas A&M and LSU. This is what we talked about in the interview where you're coming from schools with big pedigrees and now all of a sudden, instead of being the everyday leadoff hitter or the star shortstop or the star pitcher, now you're competing with a lot of very, very, very talented ball players, and you got to be ready to perform. And in baseball, sometimes you don't. But that's the beauty of single A baseball. That's the beauty of minor league baseball. And I think Nathan hit it right on the head in his interview. God damn it, Dan! That was beautiful. Especially when you hit that pink slip line. That was beautiful. I mean, it can happen any day. You open up the locker and you can see it. It's kind of like it was in the movie Major League, where yeah. after yeah. Or after spring right, right, training, right. it's like the, it's the red tag. Mm-hmm. You open up the locker and boom, you, you it, the reality hits, and now it's true. You're out of baseball, and where do you go from there? So that's why these guys who play single A baseball, you got to root them on a little bit. The, the, they're that kid who's trying to live out his dream. He's trying to make it to the major leagues, and he's trying to get there. That's what this podcast is all about. It's about these prospects who just 10, 15 years ago, they were playing wiffle ball in their backyard and they wanted to be Derek Jeter and Cal Ripken, and they are this close. Of course, this is a podcast, so you don't see how close my fingers are together. They are so goddamn close. But they are very close to making it to the major leagues, but still a ton, a ton, even if you are a highly touted prospect, a ton of work has to be done. Well, Dan, I think we're going to have to wrap it up after that. That was beautifully put, and thanks again to Nathan Believer for that interview. Yeah, absolutely. We can't appreciate it enough. I mean, we, we had some high expectations, but he blew them away. I'm going to listen to the interview. Yeah, I, I, me too. Not, not of this whole podcast, just the interview. Yeah, skip us. Yeah, skip yes. us, will you? So, well, we, ho- we hope you don't skip us, though, uh, and try to tune in. Or no, don't try to do it. And tune follow in. follow us on places. Like us follow on Follow us. Yeah, yeah, you could find us. We are on Twitter at Diamond Podcast. Or follow us on Facebook. Go like us on Facebook at uh, Diamond in the Rough Podcast as well. Or send us an email at Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us at any three of those. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Any questions you might have, hell, send us a picture of your dog in a baseball uniform. I don't care. Whatever you got for us, send it our way because we'd love to see it or hear it from you. We want to respond to you. And we thank you for listening in. And until then, go move on to episode three where Dan and I will talk some more about some prospects and find you the diamond in the roughs.